will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. Although this week, you guys might think <laughs> we are being overly more critical than, well, I don't know. I, I think we've been fairly critical for the past three episodes of the podcast. Um, but yes, we are uh, covering the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, and we will also be announcing some other stuff at the end of the episode, as well as doing a little bit of a Shang-Chi uh, trailer reaction um, and also talk about our thoughts of the season altogether. And I think uh, we're in the minority, probably. Probably. <laughs> but always, as you hear her lovely voice, <laughs> Leslie has joined me again. Uh, with our, I think, contentious uh, journey through this show, wouldn't you yeah. say? A little yeah, bit? this is our cynic episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're still going to point out the things we like, but... Yeah, I was just going to say, for accuracy's sake, I literally just watched the episode like 10 minutes ago, something like that. So. <laughs> and I watched it back at like about 5.30 this morning, so... Uh, I don't even know that there's enough within the episode to kind of like what we've been trying to do where we talk about everything in chronological order because it's really kind of a big final boss fight and then trying to wrap everything up type scenario. So we'll probably jump around a little bit here and there. Um, but before we do that, um, normally we would play the trailer, but we're not going to bother with playing the trailer because I know we both have already seen it. Um, and if you have not seen the trailer for Shang-Chi and the, was it the Legend Le of the Ten Rings? Yeah, Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, go check it out. Um, but we're going to talk about a little bit just how we feel about it. We're both not super familiar. I've read the character in the comics briefly uh, in some Avengers um 
issues that I have where he kind of showed up for like what is basically cameo. So I don't know too much about his character. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about this character except what I can just guess. Right. Um, but the, the trailer, I think, um, it has me interested. I think it has me interested in more than what black widow's trailer has me interested in. Um, especially knowing that this, I believe takes place after Endgame. So now we're getting post outside of like Spider-Man, WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're getting post Endgame content. Uh, so now we're moving that timeline forward. So it'll be really interesting to see how these characters kind of interact with this grander world. What does Shang-Chi's um, entry into the MCU mean for the greater MCU? Uh, but it's funny enough because we were talking about, uh, kind of the one shots and the missed opportunities or things that they've <laughs> set up. And I mentioned the, the tease of the real Mandarin, uh, yeah. and we look to be getting him, uh, in this movie, the real Mandarin. Uh, so we've seen it in the little bits of the trailers. He's kind of dressed in the same robes, has about the same hairstyle. Yeah. We think that's Shang-Chi's father? That's that's kind of what the trailer implies. Yeah, that's or... the that's the impression I get from the trailer and again, like you said, like I don't know anything about this character and after I watched the trailer, I texted you and was like, you know, I'm torn. Do I want to <laughs> google it and find out stuff or I just want to go into this, you know, clean slate, not have any expectations. That's what I'm trying to do. So no spoilers if anybody does know this character really well. You're right. But my my guess from the implications from the trailer is that the actual real Mandarin is his dad. And it looks to me like a really good, I mean, a martial arts movie, like a really cool martial arts movie. That's what yes. it looks like to me. So yes. I'm excited uh, for that. I if, if he's not his father, he's at least his like mentor. Um, Somehow. I think like his, his trainer, his master, his sensei, whatever, however you want to label it, term it. Um, but it will be very interesting to see. I'm kind of hoping for like a very small Ben Kingsley, uh, cameo, <laughs> you know, to kind of see what happened to his character after getting broken out of the jail by, um, you know, the Mandarin's lackey. Uh, but yes, I, I, for not knowing too much about the character and uh, but we're going back again to the 10 rings, which have been kind of around in the Iron Man uh, side of things. And the Mandarin was primarily a, a an Iron Man villain, uh, but I don't mind that they're kind of taking that and applying it here to Shang-Chi because, I mean, we've we've explored Iron Man's story um, as much as I would <laughs> love to see more Iron Man films like at least this is an avenue that we can still explore that villain without having to worry about it being tied to an Iron Man flick. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for it September. So not, not too far away. Uh, I can say I'm more excited for it versus black widow. Um, again, just kind of being that post in game movie, uh, knowing I think, that I think the excitement for black widow is kind of just suffered from the pandemic in general. And yeah. it's, its place in the universe of like, now you're finally doing black widow, like you said, but Endgame's already done. And we already know, you know, spoilers, she dies. And (laughs) yeah, it's, I I think it's just kind of suffered all around that 
at this point, if they get any money out of it at all, it'll be just hopefully it breaks um, their budget, you know, that they yeah. get back what they um, what they put into it. But I think that's kind of the reason why. And also, I don't know if the large, you know, swath of general public knows anything about Shang-Chi either. You know, like at least when you go up to somebody and you say like Captain America or you say like Superman, like generally people know you know, a little bit, even if they only recognize, you know, just the general, like, red, white, and blue. So right. with Shang-Chi, it's, I feel like the general populace is going to be like, we have no idea who this is, and that's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say um, it's kind of uh, what I feel like to be the mistake that um, the new Mortal Kombat movie has made. Uh, I watched that also, and we should possibly be doing another double episode release this week, uh, depending on if uh, Pat gets a chance to get it watched and recorded. But they um, they kind of make the mistake of assuming audience members don't know who these characters are. So then they try to do kind of a Marvel style, but like not even as good as what DC tried to emulate of introducing all of these characters and trying to you know, flesh out long, complicated backstories for each one of them and then introducing new characters that have never, you know, been in the games that are purely new for the movie. And it, it just felt like it was juggling too much. And um, that's where, like, doing this Shang-Chi movie, I think, is like, I think, like you said, the ma vast majority of people aren't going to necessarily know. So they're more wanting to learn about this character or they're going to be more invigorated. Whereas when you know who the character is, it's like, yeah, I can maybe wait. Uh, especially again, like that weird place within the timeline of it being uh, post civil war, pre infinity war. Um, mm -hmm. Like we, we know how her story plays out. So had it been maybe bef came out before infinity war, uh, it would have felt more like, okay, I'm really interested to see where this is going versus, well, I know, Black Widow's end, this is only going to potentially set up maybe some new character to take on her mantle. Uh, but I don't really care, you know, and, and yeah. that's no fault to Scarlett Johansson or anyone working on the film. It's just how they kind of work themselves into that situ situation. And the fact that it was going to be the one Marvel film we were supposed to get in 2020 Mm -hmm. But due to the pandemic, it got pushed and it got pushed and it got pushed. And now it's to the point, well, we get Shang-Chi, we get uh, Spider-Man. And then beginning of next year, I think we get like Doctor Strange, which just, I believe, wrapped up filming today. So it's like no one really cares. They want to go now past. Yeah, they, we're, they we're see all what like this we're done. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're done. We're moving forward. We don't care. But another thing I think will be interesting about the Shang-Chi movie is that, again, if a lot of a larger swath, I, I feel like because we're talking to like people who like comic book movies will probably like listen to this. So we're all sort of in a niche. But when you're talking about like the populace at, at large, and a large swath of people all don't know anything really about the character. It's nice for the audience, a majority of the audience to come to it. Like, and we're all learning together without expectations. Right. You know, everybody comes to a Superman movie with expectations. Everybody comes to a Batman movie with expectations. You know, everybody now comes to Marvel movies with expectations, especially when it's the big name characters. When I feel like this will be really interesting to, to see how everybody reacts to it.
Right. Yeah. Well, and to kind of go with your point, well, um, Thanos, one of the reasons why Thanos became so interesting to people was at the event, end of Avengers in that first post credit scene that that reveal of who is sitting behind the chair. Um, I know people who weren't comic book people, but had been so invigorated by what Marvel was doing and these characters they were introducing that they were like, who is that guy? I need yeah. to know who that guy is. And then the the smart thing that they did is they, you know, and I hope that they kind of continue this with whoever their big bad is going to be for this next set of phases is you only use them for short amounts. And uh, you, you kind of establish who they are, what, some of their motivations are uh, why people fear them. And then you do your infinity war in game type film where then it's all out just straight up battle against this ultimate evil. And I believe, I think Kang the conqueror is there as their next one, which would be logical because, you know, he's the master of time and, and the fact that they messed with time and in game, and then we've got Loki doing whatever he's going to be doing. Uh, it, it makes more logical sense that Kang the Conqueror would be kind of the person that would uh, be having some type of impact and allows them again, much like with what Thanos does with Endgame and infinity war allows them to maybe reha- uh, refresh some characters, you know, get some characters out, who are older and, and near the end of their contracts and usher in some newer, younger uh, characters to kind of take on their place. So, so do you think if we're lucky enough to get another big phase of things after this one, like people are still interested and this is still going on, who do you think would be the next big bad, like Galactus or something? Or? Galactus would have to be it and Galactus would have to be the end. Like, like the final uh, one, yeah. like, and now he's, we're done, done. <laughs> he's the final boss, <laughs> you know, um, because, and they, and I think that they would do it right. What Fox did wrong. And then DC emulated it for the green, uh, green lantern film was making Galactus into like this big giant space cloud. And they pretty much <laughs> did the same thing with parallax and, and green lantern. So they really kind of did a disservice. And we know that we're getting fantastic four at some point. We know we're getting the X-Men like, X-Men films can deal with their own kind of major villains. Like if they want to retry apocalypse or for the third time, try to do dark Phoenix again. Um, you know, any of those other kind of big name baddies, they, they can focus on that. Fantastic four can focus on scrolls or focus on, uh, you know, any of their big baddies outside of Galactus. But then you kind of have say it's like an Avengers infinity war esque type film you have that being Silver Surfer coming and, uh, you know, being the Herald. And then you have their second film being the straight on battle with Galactus. And I think at that point, because you're probably going to be talking about almost 20 to potentially 30 years yeah. of films. That it's like, OK, I because I, we already kind of have reached almost a plateau. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that I talk to have kind of reached a superhero level fatigue. Um but I vary my content so much that like for me, it's it's not like I'm watching it all the time or that's the big thing I got to go to uh, next. Like I'm watching these other drama pieces or I'm watching these other shows or something like that. And that's that's why I don't want DC to emulate Marvel so much, because to me, that's what freshens it up is. I can take Marvel for what Marvel's going to do. And then my breather is DC taking its kind of more darker, serious tone. Well, for me, it's just 
how interesting is the story? You right. know, if if you keep kind of rehashing the same thing, eventually it does get kind of boring to me. But, you know, for me, it really is about are you telling the story well and it's compelling? Right. You know, and it's it might be formulaic, but, you know, <laughs> Well, and I think that that's why, I, I mean, even hearing some people that I listened to who were kind of over superhero stuff, they were a little invigorated with WandaVision because they, uh, it was different. It was, mm-hmm. it was exploring more character depth and it was doing something weird that we hadn't quite seen yet. So, um, which is a nice segue to kind of finally start talking <laughs> about this episode of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Want, want. Want, is probably accurate. Um, so, honestly, okay, well, we got a 51. I was going to say, everybody, spoilers. Oh, yes. Full and spoilers. Just, if you're super excited and you don't want to be disappointed with our opinions, just click out now. Yeah. <laughs> or just, just go, yeah, I don't agree with you. You know, yeah. like it's a simple and then move on with your life. <laughs> yeah. I there are plenty of people that have hot takes that I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like I, <laughs> I don't see that. But you're welcome to have that opinion. I think one of the one of those opinions that I massively disagree with, but it didn't impact the movie for me at all, was someone doing a review on Godzilla versus Kong, saying that Apex was the good guy, and I'm like. They cause everything to happen. Like they're the reason monkey lizard fight. So, you know, but, but like, I just don't let that necessarily impact it. But I know we have been very kind of, which is interesting. You know, we, we started out kind of high praise Mm -hmm. and then we had this, and it was a very noticeable shift that we both kind of felt it at the same time by the time we reached the end of episode three. And we even, you know, we put that kind of, uh, caveat on it that, Hey, maybe episode six wraps everything up tight and we'll be proven wrong. I don't think we were proven wrong. Um, and I think the major problem that this series has, and I've, I've told you this, I, I think we had a conversation yesterday about this, uh, while working was everyone keeps saying the possibility of a season two. Well, there might be a season two. Oh, Sebastian Stan says he would be back for a season two. If they said it, Oh, there might Feige doesn't discount at the idea of a second season, just freaking say there's going to be another season. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like if you're going to do it, do it because at this point, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say anything that I want to say is okay. For me, Falcon and the winter soldier is a huge disappointment with a few highlights. Yeah. So that's just, that's my perspective, you know, for everybody (laughs) listening, I'm very disappointed with the show in its entirety. And there are a few high moments. So if I feel like they did not plan for a season two, but kind of sprinkled in things for a season two in the hopes that they might get one. But again, like I've said, you know, to you and I've said on the podcast before, this show to me very much felt like a camel, a horse made by a committee. Everybody had all these great ideas in the writer's room and they tried to cram them all in there and it just doesn't work. There's too much going on. There's not a good enough villain. Like the story is not compelling at all. And, you know, it, it just kind of fails on every dimension. It fails Sharon. 
It fails what could have been a really super interesting storyline for John Walker. It fails Isaiah. It like it, it fails everybody <laughs> all the way around. And I know people are like getting angry and they're throwing off their headphones right now and they're never going to listen to this podcast again. But I just, you know, I didn't like the show that I, there's again a few scenes that I liked that were like I enjoy this scene. This is great. But other than that, it's you know disappointment. Yeah, you know, there's not much I, I have to argue with uh, um, with what you said there. And I, I think that this is probably outside of my original Captain Marvel review, uh, the first really kind of uh, negative reaction I've had to a a Marvel uh, piece. You know, I, I yeah, like I wasn't that impressed with Iron Man three. Right. I remember feel kind of sitting in the theater kind of being like, eh. Yeah, but, for me it's Iron Man too, but <laughs> but but this I'm I'm just like this is definitely my lowest ranked Marvel of anything. If I put all, like all their shows and and um, movies and everything, even the shorts, yeah, in, in an order, this is at the bottom of the list. Well, like like you said, it, it um and when we apologize if we're not like again, there's really not when you're looking at what this episode explores. It's a final boss fight. And it's an end story like there. That's literally the yeah, episode. There's nothing of real substance that is outside of like there is some great political grandstanding that, again, since we tried to remain apolitical on here, we're not going into the politics of it. Um, but there are some, again, cool moments, cool fluff. Um, I like the suit. It's very comic act comics accurate. Um, I know you weren't too huge of a well, fan but it's, it's more of the it's, head it's the head piece and, that makes it look like his he's tensing his neck and turtling the whole time yeah and Which i don't know be, if it's just I mean, because it's white or or what like if it was blue if it would look dark you know because it's white and it's so bright yeah. and then the way they film it it looks like he's real tense and he's got his shoulders lifted up to his ears the whole time that's what it looks like but it, it um, yeah, that that's it's really all the episode does. And it also has um, one of the worst reveals ever. And <laughs> I think I think also we had um, we had better theories or we had better. And I and this isn't like to toot my own horn or anything like that. I've never written anything of extreme substance or anything like that. But I think we had if we had been in the writer's room we would have had ideas that maybe could have made things better. The flag smashers is a completely ridiculous villain. Carly is one dimensional at best, uh, and completely non-dimensional at worst. Um, she's a, the worst villain since Malekith and, and Thor dark world, you know, cause like even, even Malekith had, some backstory. Even and... Thor Dark World was way better than this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was just like they they just didn't capitalize on things. They failed characters. Uh, they failed Bucky even in the in some of the final moments. His his coming straight with Yuri uh, was meant to be very impactful. And all I all I wanted is because once he tells Yuri, Yuri just there that's it. Like that's in scene. Like there's no anger, there's no relief. 
There's no yeah. absolution. And all there is is one final scene where he's walking down, looks through the, you know, at the little sushi bar and he's there eating and, she, you know, the waitress is taking care of him. Like there, the emotional gravitas of the scene was just c- completely washed out. Like I, I would have expected Yuri to be, you know, thank you or something to that extent, or I don't blame you. Thank you for telling me or complete anger and frustration. Yeah, Get out of my apartment. More of a reaction than just him standing there looking shocked because you only get that for like what a second and then yeah. it's gone and then yeah. we're moving right along. Yeah. It's like they just decided not to, not to film the rest of the scene or that they cut it out thinking, nah, there's, it's not needed. Uh, John Walker tries to have a redemption arc, which again, <laughs> like, it's been a roller coaster with him and not to the fault of Wyatt Russell or even his portrayal of the character. Again, the no. flaw comes to the writing because I expected there to be a Sam and Walker like final confrontation. Yeah, that's uh, what I was expecting, too. And I let, well, and also, like I said, his shield didn't last long. So <laughs> it's almost like uh, outside of him having the like Medal of Honor thing on the inside of it, it served absolutely no purpose. It also seemed like he was in a flux of his powers because he's getting his ass handed to him. Yet then he's pulling the, the truck back up before getting attacked again. And it's I like th- I felt like there was something going on with the whole heat of the battle thing and him being hit in the head that it was like him coming back to his senses sort of a thing, like coming back to himself is what they were kind of trying to do. But see, I still feel like they failed his character because we had six episodes that that could have been a really interesting development of a roller coaster with him that like that we could have done that we didn't. You know, we didn't explore enough of his, his backstory. We did nothing. And I think like we said before, for me, the whole Flag Smasher thing would have been far more compelling if it was flip-flopped and it was the people who were blipped that came back. Then that would be a far more compelling argument than the people who've been here. Like, I feel like from that very starting point is where everything went off on the wrong track. Yep. It, and it just doesn't it doesn't go from there. And then you've, you've got, you're trying to do the flag smasher thing. You're trying to do the John Walker thing. You've got Zemo. My God, I, he's the best thing about this show. I Absolutely. love him. <laughs> he's amazing. And again, <laughs> like you said, it's not that like, I don't, I, I think all the actors did everything. Well, I think every, all of my complaints come back again to writers and story because I think everybody delivered as far as acting, you know, Sam's new costume, like you said, comics accurate, even though I think it looks a little weird on the headpiece, it it still looks great. Like there's no, there's no part of this where I'm like, I feel like Anthony Mackie was phoning it in. No, I think he did a great job, you know? Well, and even like the action sequences, cinematography stuff, like all of that's really well done, but there is really bad lines of dialogue. Uh, There are lines of dialogue that are probably not meant to be aggravating, but considering kind of the and then again, not to get like too political or anything, but given kind of the current state of the world we're in, it, it can come across as either uh, condescending, demeaning or pandering. And yeah. it's it's Real a hammy. They, it's a little too much uh, like we've talked about with other sci fi shows in the past that 
they there there's a subtlety that those shows had that it was more nuanced and more never trying to go on the form of preachy but to still send a message that if you're a normie watching it you could probably overlook it and completely miss the message but if you were looking for those messages, you could find them there and and see the positive reinforcement. And that that is a credit to those writers that they were able to do it in a more nuanced way rather than, I hey, see this big 10-pound sledgehammer? I'm going to hit you over the head with this with my messaging. You know? Right. That's the thing about like the that the expanse does so well is they present you with these moral conundrums. Like if you haven't seen it, then you won't know what I'm talking about, but you know, should Miller have shot um, Dresden in the head or not? You know, was that the right decision or was that the wrong decision? Could Dresden have helped them cure everybody or not? You, the right you decision. Know. Well, but that's the thing <laughs> is that the show doesn't right. then take that 10-pound sledgehammer and tell you, and this is the right decision and this is why you should make it, and blah, 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 you know, finger in your face. It just presents you with the situation, and then you're, you're kind of in the same position as Holden trying to figure out, you know, where do we go from here? Was it right? Was it wrong? You know, and but it doesn't slam it into your face. So even though other shows like even the original Star Trek has a lot of political messaging and social messaging in it, it's not like slamming it into your face like that. And I don't know if it's just because of the, like you said, the current situation of the state right. of the world. Like if we were in the 60s at that time when it came out, would we feel differently if we were the same age, you know, and, and relative to that? And we would feel like, ah, Star Trek's being so preachy. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of everything right now. And in five years, it won't feel that way. You know, well, I, I will say this. I think that uh, time kind of uh, creates um, dissonance a little bit. That's not necessarily the right phrasing I want to use. But I, I will say, like, uh, with season 11 of Doctor Who, like, you know, the backlash that went with that and trying to watch it live while amidst that backlash and, and everyone constantly making videos about it, uh, everyone have everyone and their grandmother and their cat having an <laughs> opinion on a female Doctor Who. And then yet some people who were like, well, OK, I'm fine with this change, but um, I don't like this or I don't like that. Like, so it was so charged when it came out that a year after its release, I finally finished the rest of the season and I didn't find it as bad or as ham fisted as when it was coming out and people were making those videos. So maybe we revisit this five years down the road and with, you know, the luxury of hindsight, uh, it might not seem as ham fisted or, or over the, over the top with it because kind of the environment around us has kind of hopefully simmered down. We're back on a, you know, more peaceful level of things and how society is going. Uh, but just right now in this moment, I don't think it benefits anybody. Uh, you know, cause you're going to have, it's only going to reinforce people's opinions uh, they're going to dig their heels in in deeper on whichever side of the argument they fall on. So you don't have this. The problem with a show like this is I understand that it's going to be political. Um, when I watch a Captain America film, 
since the main character is literally Captain America <laughs> and a soldier, it's going to have some political themes. But right. unlike something like Captain America Winter Soldier, which was a political thriller, which presented the moral quandary of constant surveillance and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that didn't – it wasn't necessarily preaching – that, you know, well, we need to get rid of Luddites and right. Exactly. But it but it handled the political aspects of the thing of of that time in a better, better light or a better way, rather. And yet this seems to be focusing on a few particular things that are going on in the world right now. And someone like me with how I was raised, I I know Like what you're trying to tell me or what you're trying to preach to me, I know, like I'm not going out there to try to mistreat anybody based on any defining characteristics. So when you're doing it and you're doing it so constantly and so heavily, like it's going to piss me off because it's like I get that you're reaching a grander audience, but you're pissing people off and it's not working the way you think. And I think it's part of the reason why the comics are are hurting right now, because that's all that they're trying to do is political messaging, political uh, kowtowing to groups instead of writing good stories. And again, that comes back to our major criticism of this of the series is it's the writing has suffered. The writing has, like you said, they're throwing everything in in the kitchen sink. Um, and when you watch this episode, all this episode to me really feels like is we are planning a season two. Like, yeah, we're, like, you know, this reveal here and what this implication means with with this character's at. And at this time, that's what this means. This is where, you know, Sam and Bucky go from here. This is where Torres is going to go from here. <laughs> uh, you know, like everything feels like a setup. And if they do a season two, then I'm I'm down for it. I may yeah, not necessarily it's better than this. Right. And and maybe then again, like to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though we're constantly being proven wrong with each subsequent episode <laughs> so far, maybe these things were okay. I see where they were going with that. I see why they put that in there, but without having announced and yet constantly teasing the possibility of a second season, you do nothing but piss me off where I'm just like, okay, you know, are 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 we going to get past first base or are we not? Like you, you keep teasing me, but let's let's find out if we're getting the second base, you know, type of thing where it's just like you can only take so much to to a point where I'm not going to care if a season two gets announced. Yeah. So if they if after this episode uh, they keep going, well, we're we're still throwing it, you know, throwing it back and forth. And then by the end of the year, they're ah, we're still throwing it back and forth. And we're like, Fine, I'm out like I'm just out. You know, I don't care at this point. It, yeah. it kind of falls into the Black Widow sphere of things. Well, I just wanted to say, too, that, like, they can tell a story that's relevant to today's world and the politics and, and all of that and and have a message that you want to bring to it. You can 100% do that. It's just that they are not doing it well. There's right. a difference. There's a difference of, like, having you know, a writer who, you know, and a story like that in the hands of a master versus having a story like that in the hands of a marketing person, a social media manager, you know, like it's two different things, like a copy editor who sells you stuff. It's, it's completely different, you know, being 
I'm just trying to like trying to think of an example that maybe everybody would recognize. I don't know, like Stephen King. Like mm-hmm. if he could have a political thriller type, whatever. Maybe he does. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, well, but, horror, but yeah, but, yeah, but like but he has. It, it's, it's, because because uh, since you bring Stephen King up, not not to mansplain or cut you off. I'm just trying to think but, of a name that like a lot of people would recognize. So one thing that I, I so Stephen King as a person, I probably would not like being in this unless I was going to see like, uh, you know, a book signing or something like that. If I were at, at the bar and Stephen King was there and we were having a conversation, I'd probably hate the guy because we don't <laughs> we don't agree on a lot of things. But he is my absolute favorite author because I yeah. like the worlds he creates and I like. So what you're what, what you're kind of going off what you're saying there is I know his personal politics. But one thing I appreciate, even though he still leans hard against anyone that's on on the right or as conservative, he typically writes characters uh, if they're of a particular political leaning, if he writes Republicans or conservatives as idiots, he does the same with Democrats and liberals. So yeah, he, it's people. not like that there might be one character who is that ultra like evangelical conservative character who's the evil bad guy. But the liberal John Doe over here is not necessarily a good guy either. So he puts that nuance in there. He doesn't try to alienate his readership by mm. just constantly this guy's the bad guy this guy's the bad guy yeah. no yeah. we're complex creatures who have differing morals and values and have these compasses that sometimes are a little wonky and that's where ultimately this show fails right because that's the one thing that i don't like when shows get involved in doing political messaging is all that they do is portray things as a monolith. Yeah. And they do not give you the actual variety that exists within um, within whatever it is. Like portraying all, I don't know, evangelical conservatives as like hillbillies that are stupid living in some sort of confined thing. I don't, you know, like you're imagining people all living on together off in Texas or something like, right. like Waco or something like that. Like, like the equal portrayal, the nuance and the depth, because people are not all just one same opinion in any sort of uh, political argument and any sort of religion and any sort of anything. Like there's always degrees of variance. So the thing that television and movies get bogged down into is only portraying whatever is hip and popular right now. And, you know, you you think that we've made progress. Well, you know, if you look back at older movies and things that people all just hate now, well, and let's go forward 50 years and everybody will be looking at all of your hip progressive shows and whatnot. And maybe they'll all hate them then. And they'll have the same opinion of you that you have of the old movies. Now it's right. just because you only go with whatever's the hip thing. If tomorrow it becomes flip flop, you bet your butt like that the whole of Hollywood and all the TV shows will flip on a dime to change all their political messaging if that's what happens. So it's it's really wishy-washy to me to do it like this, and it's just not done well as right. far as well, the story being told. And, and I, I, you bring up an inter- interesting point uh, that I, I think needs to, needs to also be looked at here within the confines of the show. Um, 
Bucky or not Bucky, Sam is that nuanced character for most of the season. Most they of try, it, yeah. they really try hard near these last few episodes to really shift it, to make him on the one side. Isaiah is a monolith. They try Bucky, not so much to an extent, but Bucky's also kind of the other side of the monolith. Um, and Sam, and I think that that's the point is Sam is supposed to be that bridge, right? Yeah. But they, they don't execute it well enough that they don't see Sam needs to just be going, I don't give a shit about who you about what defining characteristics you have. All I care about. And again, it goes back to the argument of or back to the core meaning of Captain America. Are you a good man or a woman or are you do you want to be a strong man or woman? Yeah, about you the know? power. It, it's it's not about defining characteristics. It's about what's in your heart. And I, I really was kind of taking a step back in this episode because Sam starts spouting a little Isaiah. You know, it, it starts coming out in that big political speech that he gives. And it's and it just it didn't work for me. I I I never saw Sam as that character because I saw Sam as the bridge. Like, I know people were upset at the end of Endgame that that Steve gave him the shield. I wasn't 100 percent upset because I was like, it makes sense with the times that we've had within the movies. He's been more friends with Sam at this almost at this point for a longer time than with Bucky. And Bucky had a very dark road to come back from to be the Bucky that Bucky was back in World War II. So it wasn't like Steve could just give him the shield. And this brings me to the missed opportunity, I think, from this episode. Again, when it's trying to wrap up its one million different plot lines, uh, <laughs> is I like that Isaiah has a thing at the Smithsonian now. Yeah. But I don't think it's enough and what I think they needed to do. And again, right now, Marvel's missing out on these opportunities. Hey, Marvel, give me a call. Give Leslie a call. <laughs> you don't have to pay us much. Just pay off our student loans. We'll, we'll take that. <laughs> um, but we'll just give you some ideas. And then you don't have to take them. But at least, you know, maybe maybe you can take it into consideration. Because if you want, again, we're talking about this messaging and we're talking about wanting to bridge divides. And you, we want to talk about nuance. You have old Steve at the memorial, too, and you have Steve and Isaiah meet and you have Steve thank Isaiah for everything he's sacrificed. And then you have Isaiah realize that it wasn't just because of Steve's skin color. That again, that core messaging of a good man is what really is what made him such an icon for many people. Yeah. And they don't need to spend, I don't I like they could do that, but not like draw it out. Like, just, no, it just needs like, to be like, 10, 40, like 10 seconds. 45 seconds, yeah, you know, like, minute like, tops. Yeah. Like nothing real huge, just the, a little piece in there. That would have been great. Cause, cause you could have him deliver that lat line and then you have them salute and then you close that yeah, out. Yeah. Like, and just move, move on. Right. And, that's and that's that all it needed to be. Yeah. Um, but we also get the U.S. agent, um, which, cool. again, it's like, are, are you building him to a, a to a film? Are you <laughs> going to have him show up in other series? Like, 
I love it. I love the reveal. I love the costume look. It, it, you know, it, it's definitely contrasting to how his costume looked at the beginning, and it shows a different place for him now. Um, but I, I want to get to what is most, to me, most likely the worst reveal ever of a villain that they've tried to build the mystery up, and that is Sharon as the power broker. Yeah. There was no mystery. No, because <laughs> I was already assuming that when she saved them and then they go back to her place and there's all these items and stuff mm-hmm. and the parties and the business stuff. And then they try to throw your scent off. And I again, hey, Marvel, hear me out. You could have made it Julie Louis Dre- uh, Dreyfus because like. She's a character we haven't been introduced to yet. She's got some mystery to her. We know she's going to have a bigger part somewhere, I assume, down the road in the MCU. Mm -hmm. It would have made far more sense that she would be the power broker. And it would then actually then go, okay, the red that was a red herring. But you told us basically from the get go in episode. Yeah, that is Sharon. It's Sharon. And we're doing our best to be like, nah, they're not that stupid. Like, they're not that stupid to just rely on that. And then that obvious. Yeah. You know, I don't care with her final confrontation with Carly, because, again, we've had no Batrock. Well, (laughs) no, I have issues with that. Uh, I'm glad he got more screen time in this episode and got and got to go around. But I I am kind of sad to see his character potentially go away. But no, the final confrontation with with Carly and Sharon since these we've never seen these two characters interact on screen before, I don't care. Like, yeah. I don't care that Carly betrayed her. I don't care that Sharon kills her. Well, we know she's killing her to protect her identity, but um, it's like Carly's upset over Sam taking up the the costume and the shield and her betra- her feeling of betrayal. And then none again. The major failure. No villain outside of Batrock works <laughs> for me right. in the show. It's because they're trying to do too much. It's, yeah. it's literally to me is because they tried to do too much. And if they have, were able to cut the fat from the show and streamline it, it would have been much more compelling. Hell, we don't even know what's going to happen to Sarah um, with the bank. You know, yeah, I like didn't see, I didn't see the boat like actually taking off. Is the engine still dead? Right. Like, we, you know, you didn't wrap up any of the I, family. I, I seriously thought at least at their little um, shrimp fry, crawdad fry, whatever, that when you see Sam like looking out at the water, he was going to like and like start up the boat and we yeah. at least see the boat go. Yeah, something. We didn't even like, get that. We failed the boat. <laughs> Hashtag we failed the boat. What's it, Paul and Darlene? I need justice for the boat. You know, yeah, it's, it's it's like they they just didn't know what to do. I think maybe they realized or didn't realize that maybe they thought they could get everything they wanted in six episodes, but to me, this feels like it needed to be twelve. You know, I At needed. Least. I needed him at, by episode six to have the shield and spend the back six trying to be the, you know, live up to cap. Cause I think his Went acceptance, over the public opinion. Yeah. The acceptance of him being cap, which again, I don't have any issue with 
Yeah, I was, you know, I was Team Mackie from the start when everybody's yeah. like, get the shield. I'm like, Sam's going to get the shield. <laughs> and everybody's like, no, it should be Bucky. And I'm like, nah, it's Sam. I was like, Team Sam from the start. And and yet, like, immediately, as soon as he shows up on the scene, everyone, you know, outside of the one guy going, it's the Black Falcon. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, nah, that's Captain America. I'm like, I get it, but you've literally only seen him for like two minutes in this new suit carrying yeah. the shield. Well, that's the thing. It's like, wouldn't everybody be like, Oh, Hey, it's Falcon. And he's got captain America shield. Right. Like I, I, I just kind of feel like, like if we actually lived in that world and this was a real world we lived in, my first thought would be like, Hey, there's the Falcon and he's dressed like captain America. And like, and then I would start putting things, but I wouldn't just automatically be like, there's captain America. Right. Yeah. I, I it it just it, it felt rushed. Sense. And like, again, because they were trying to wrap everything up and, and a nice little bow and everything. And it just wasn't working again. This episode just feels like, hey, propaganda for a season two hashtag season two. And it's like, but but just tell us, like, I, I can be OK with a lot of these left open plot points. If you just told me there was a season two coming, it does. I, and I don't necessarily need a season two, but it's a failure of the writing if there isn't a season two because they wrote it as if they intended for many seasons to have this be their season where they plant all these seeds and then we're going to see it, how it all pays off. And we kept saying it. Maybe this all pays off in episode four or episode five. Maybe this will pay off in episode six. None of it has felt paid off. And mm-hmm. I've, they fail their the only character that's not uh, I mean, they fail him in the fact that they don't utilize him enough. But Zemo Zemo is the only Love character <laughs> who achieves his goal that he wanted from the first episode he showed up. in. You know, it was again, the goal from Civil War is to wipe out all super soldiers. And by the end of this episode, he wipes out all the super soldiers outside of he- Bucky. Did he get all of them? But the one guy who was still in the Hudson that Sam. No, because I'm I'm sure he was in that in that group, too, to get. Was uh, it, was I, mean, there, I thought they I thought they caught three of them and then the one guy was in the water. So were there four going into that? Yeah. Well, they were thing. all in their orange jumpsuits and everything. So it wasn't like it was immediately like at the end of the final okay. of like when he got him. Uh, but because they, they even said like all all of the conspirators and like that was and see again. Although I like that way, you have the one guard going, doing the flag smasher thing. And I'm like, ooh, this could be compelling. Well, they're still going to be out there and they're still going to be a problem. Oh, nope, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, too, when Carly was telling them, it doesn't even matter if we die. And they all kind of looked at each other. I thought, oh, this will be interesting because they look like it's going to be an internal mutiny. Yeah. You know, like a break from her. This will be really interesting. Nope. Yeah, because honestly, what would have made this final episode far more compelling is for the group to turn themselves in because they see the monster she's become. And then it's Carly against the world. And, you know, that would have been a more compelling final fight in everything because, yeah, they don't agree. They see she's changed, but yet they're. I can't say the word because I've got a lady on here with me, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but they're they're chicken shits essentially um, to, to be 
just okay we're gonna just go ahead we don't agree we don't really want to murder people but you say we're going to murder people so okay you know it's like you guys just gave in like you didn't like it and the, her, the one guy who was like upset when she blew up the building with the with the GRC guys. It's like you're going to tell me you guys are who don't agree with this, and your message isn't necessarily about killing people, but it's it's just to be heard and to have justice. But you're going around killing people, like that does create internal conflicts that weren't expressed or explored, and could have made it her more of a dynamic villain. We could have seen her more as a Red Skull. I didn't like that they tried to compare her to Thanos in this episode because she's nothing <laughs> like Thanos. No, no, she's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what Sharon's going to do now that she's got her pardon. And other than that, she's going to steal government secrets like, OK, Hydra 2.0. Like, yeah, pretty much. Again, a character who I really wanted to see become a big part of the MCU You've destroyed her for me. You screwed her over after Civil War and you've screwed her over in this show by only giving her really one episode and then small bits in the rest of the season. And then to reveal her as the criminal mastermind, uh, the power broker. No, it doesn't work. I don't care to see her character show up again anymore. And that's nothing against the actress. Yeah, there's so many storylines here that I feel like could have been done so much better if they had, like, picked one. Yeah. You know, like, you have the A plot, the B plot, and maybe a little C plot, but this was, like, a whole alphabet plot. Right. Well, and, like, okay, so what's Val's intentions? You know? Like, why why is she recruiting Walker? Um, I know that, like, I, I think that there's a planned Thunderbolts movie down the road and like, you know, this gets him kind of as their Captain America and, you know, maybe we'll get Red Hulk and, and all this stuff. But I'm like, but, but but we don't even know that that's even happening, but we need to understand. And maybe we would have understood more of whatever a part she's of had Black Widow already been released and if her scenes are still in it. But again, it's like you're assuming the audience is just going to be okay with things. You're assuming the audience is going to be stupid enough not to pick up on these plot points. Uh, this, these two audience members picked up on a lot of wrong. <laughs> and I, I will say, I think some people's opinions, like they, I, I think a lot, because we were the, our first like negative review was episode four. And um, that was like the last one I saw heaps of praise go towards and then episode five and definitely kind of with episode six, I finally saw some people going, yeah, there's some issues here. So I'm like, OK, so we're not completely unfounded, but yeah, maybe we're being more critical on it than we should be. But I don't think we are. I think we pointed out again, it's nothing with anything else outside of the writing. Yeah, exactly. Because you, I just always feel like I want to make sure I reiterate that just because. You know, it's it, it's just more of a plot thing. I'm not people get crazy. Like, I think did did people still like send Wyatt uh, Russell like death threats and stupid crap like that? Well, I assume if you're playing any character that causes intense <laughs> dislike, you're going to just get death threats. Well, I um, just I, I mean, I guess that's a sign that you're doing the character right. But I still think like, hello, people, this is fantasy. It's not reality. Please separate the two. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not his fault if you feel like something's been destroyed. 
Like he is an actor doing his job and doing it very well. You yeah, know, like there's a great phrase called walk away, yeah. unplug, <laughs> tune out. Yeah. Realize know? that this is he's an actor and this is his job. So, again, it's like I feel like everybody's doing a very good job as far as like we've said, the acting. I like the musical score. Yeah. I like what they picked for the opening and the end um, credit scene as far as the song goes. Yeah, costuming, you know, just listing off all that stuff. I feel like all of that's done very well, and you can see that they. I feel like they spent their budget well as far yeah. as I don't. I don't feel like any effect that I saw like looked terrible. Of course, I'm not like an expert in CGI or anything like that. But as a layperson, nothing like looked like I could date it. Um, some of the reviewers that I follow on YouTube have been going back, like watching older. Um, animated movies with like 90s CGI stuff in it. And you can definitely tell. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I didn't <laughs> see anything that looks like that, you know. So all of that stuff is all great stuff. I just, I feel like we've been really cynical the whole time. I want to be like, this is all great things that I really enjoyed. <laughs> like, Well, I think we I, have my... made it very, very strongly known that <laughs> it's it's the writing. It, it's yeah, it it's really some is. of the characterizations that they've made with characters that like I was excited at first to see, and now you've made me like dislike them so much. I don't care if I ever see them again, specifically talking about Isaiah. Cause like I was all once he showed up and I'm like, Holy shit. Yes. It's Isaiah. I want to see more. I want to see more. And then he has the conversation with Sam and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear this from yeah, this guy anymore. Okay, like, yeah. like, and it, and that's nothing against Carl Lumbly playing playing him. It, it's again, it's the writing. I'm like, you went so heavy on this particular thing that I'm like, okay, I I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't want to hear from you. And then I, I feel like, and I expressed this a little bit in the last episode, but like I felt like that particular conversation was trying to, you know, tear Steve's legacy. And it's like it wasn't it's not Steve's fault. Like none of none of that was Steve's fault, except that he accepted to get tested on. Like, if you want to blame anybody, blame Erskine. Like, he's the one who developed the formula that then the government who was, you know, being the government and has exploited. But not to rehash those old things. Let's go ahead and get into uh, our scores. So I'm going to land with a three on this episode. Um, again, like there's just not enough here. It's 51 minutes, but it's like 30 minutes action scene. And then 20 minutes of trying to wrap up stories that, I'm, yeah. it, you know, there's really, there's really nothing of substance in this, but I did enjoy the fight sequences. I enjoyed the costume. Uh, and I'm kind of just happy it's over because <laughs> I it's almost like, again, it's it's really tested the metal of this project uh, of this podcast where we're trying not to be overly cynical of things. But I think we've been so overtly critical that like some of the cynic has been sneaking in there and being like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just tired of it. But I'll say I'm glad it's done. If they announce a season too soon, I'll be happy to watch a season two. If they announce a season two, like next year, I'm going to be like, nah, I'm, I'm out. Like I'll watch it, but I'm not going to review it for the podcast. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to watch it silently, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my thoughts about this episode. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'd have to go with a three on this episode as well. 
I, I, I kind of, it's not so bad that I want to give it a two and a half, but it's not like so great that I want to give it more than a three. Right. Two point nine nine or something it, like it's an end. Like that's yeah. that's all you can really say about it is it's an yeah. end to a mediocre series. Yeah. It again. Like, yeah. It really was a lot of action and then just trying to like, you know, tie up things in bows. Nothing too terrible. It was the really kind of want want reveal of the power broker. Like who didn't see that coming? Right. There'll be like somebody out there be like I didn't. But <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry if you didn't see that coming. Um, I hope you don't have any partner because they might be cheating on you. Oh, <laughs> it's like no. that's that's how telegraphed that reveal was. It was it was just bad. And then I was disappointed that we just killed Batrock like that. Yeah, that was sad. Who knows? Maybe he's alive. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back. Yeah. I, yeah. Like a three. Do you, yeah. if you want to move on to like the series as a whole? So, yes, we, we're going to kind of do, and we're not going into great detail here because I think we've made it very well known <laughs> how, how we kind of feel about the series in a whole. But uh, the kind of score, the, the, the series uh, as a whole, and I know we didn't really, I don't think we really did it with WandaVision, but I think like for me, WandaVision was like, probably a four or four and a half out of five. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it. It had some issues, but, uh, I was a strong point was writing, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they pretty much addressed everything that they had set up and, and things that they wanted to explore. The fact that it was tying into Dr. Strange too, uh, you know, so like it, it had its purpose. It had its, its feeling. Yeah. If I was going to, score one division especially now having seen falcon winter soldier i'd give it a five yeah yeah and uh falcon and winter soldier season one or maybe it's now rightfully titled captain america and the winter soldier which i didn't dislike that yeah that, that was fine because like it, it it was encompassing that journey it was showing he was falcon at the beginning and he's become cap at the end uh but as the series or season as a whole I think I'm landing on a three and a half, which might be a little generous. Um, it started out really strong. I mean, I was after episode one, I was like, yes, I need more. Yeah, it felt like a little weighty with with the pacing of, of Sam's family drama. But I'm excited. I want to see where this is going. I'm all in. Episode two continued that momentum. There was less issues there. Uh, except that we just didn't really have, again, a compelling enough understanding of the Flag Smashers and what their purpose was. Episode three continued it more with bringing Zemo back. And it was like, OK, but now you're introducing Madripoor, the power broker. Uh, no, the Flag Smashers are this and John Walker's doing that. And and, you know, Sam and Bucky are doing this. And so it's like, OK, I'm starting to get a little concerned and then episode four really hit that downturn for me where it was just an episode. I did not like uh, things. There were good things in it, but story wise, uh, pacing wise, it, it didn't do anything to, that alleviated the concerns that I was starting to feel in episode three. Episode five certainly didn't help that out any. It was a better episode but it didn't improve on the things that needed to be fixed and up from episode four. 
And episode six ultimately just is an end to the mediocrity that we started <laughs> to get in that second half. Uh, ultimately, I feel like it should have been a 12 episode season. Um, it would have given enough time to develop Walker more. We could have gotten some uh, background or uh uh, flashback scenes with him and his service with Lamar to understand more of how complex he is. Uh, we could have gotten more empathizing or humanizing of Carly. Uh, we could have gotten more great Zemo dancing in the club scenes. <laughs> um, you know, we, it just, it, it could have fleshed out also more. I think that ended up getting shoved under the rug. Uh, Bucky's, um, you know, coming to acceptance that he's a different person. Now he is no longer, necessarily the bad winter soldier uh and coming to terms with again i think a, a very missed opportunity on his coming straight with yuri um sharon we could have gotten more complex maybe understood more why she's the power broker uh more of what happened to her after she came back because we got to remember this has only been six months that's not it, oh by the end of the series it's probably more like a year but six months that ain't a whole lot of time and yet yeah. somehow oh. she was able to infiltrate Madripoor's oh. criminal underbelly and become the most powerful person within Madripoor. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You got Val, you got, you know, all these other mitigating factors that just really hurt it. And again, I don't think the press releases or the press stuff about Oh, they might do a season two. Oh, Feige hasn't ruled out a season two. Sebastian Stan says he would be down to play Winter Soldier forever. It's done nothing. It's done nothing but aggravate what's going on as a problem within the show. Because if you announced a season two before the end of this this episode release, then I'd be like, okay, I can be okay with a lot of these plot holes or these um plot lines that have not been addressed or feel underdeveloped because then at least I know I'm getting a second set of six episodes somewhere down the road that they can explore those storylines in more depth. But ultimately, uh, even though it's a 3.5, which is a very mediocre score, uh, I will say that this is a failure on the Marvel uh, cinematic universe, TV universe. I say they're one for two right now. I think Loki is going to be fine, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't <laughs> have that like unearned confidence that I had after WandaVision because I thought if this is how they're going to do these shows, I'm all in for it. And I get the you know political connotations with Captain America and, and all that stuff. But I felt like they just went so far into the politics that a normal viewer might get turned off just by that alone. Um, will I revisit it? Probably. I mean, I revisit Captain Marvel from time to time. So I'm, I call me a sadomasochist, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I ultimately, I love these characters and I love comic books. So I'm going to revisit them, even if I hate them just because they are what they are. It doesn't, even though I have issues, it doesn't necessarily invalidate its position within the MCU or what it's done with its characters. But it does make me concerned where these characters are going to go from here. Uh, so that's my long-winded uh, <laughs> thoughts about the the series. So, Leslie, what, what about you? Back. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
for the season as a whole, I'd probably only give it a three. I wasn't that impressed with it. Um, I'm just sitting there just trying to think while you were talking too, just like thinking about what do I want to point out? I, uh, even, even in like listening to your recap of all the different things that they did, it, it was a lot, but I still feel like maybe the main fault is, is really in the writing and plotting it out. Well, yeah. it almost, it almost kind of feels like a pantser thing and not a plotter thing where, they just kind of like threw all the ideas on the table and didn't really know where they were going to go and just kind of followed it. But I don't know, maybe it really, really needed to be like a 12 or even maybe like an old fat old style, like 24 episode sort of a thing, even short episode sort of a thing just to, to really flesh out their story. Of course, I think that would have been way too long for what they're trying to do. Um, highlights because you did it's critics and cynics, right? So you yeah. did the cynical part. Let's do highlights. Zemo is amazing. I want to see them to get um, was it Daniel Daniel Brule? Brule. I want him more. He was yes. awesome. He was fantastic as Zemo. I loved it. You know, I I want to know if they're gonna bring Zemo back for more. We know he's in that same prison that they were in. I want to see more from him, even if he's you know, like a low level bad guy in another movie or something or somewhere he shows up in somebody else's show. I'm excited for that. I kind of wanted more of an in credit scene with him. I, you know, you, you got his thing with the Butler, like blowing up the, the ship or not the ship, the, the uh, truck they were on, but I kind of wanted more of an in credit scene than just like the pathetic one we got with Sharon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, I like wasted in credit scene. I, I fast forwarded all the way through all of the credits just to make sure. Well, and do you was, know this little side note here? Do you know how uh, there's a good way to know how there's not a, an end credit scene or nothing else? If you let it ride a little bit, it will eventually show you a like next suggested uh, show like uh, from it keeps doing WandaVision because oh, of, yeah. of the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's one way I've been testing it. If if it's still full screen, that means something's there. But then once it goes to that, that means well, there's nothing Well, I figured else. once I got to the um, to the foreign credits, yeah. about I was like, okay, there's definitely nothing else because now we're going through the foreign credits. 